0: You're listening to DraftKings Network. My background is an abacus. An for abacus?
1: Oh, 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 oh my god.
0: <laughs> Just when you thought I couldn't surprise you anymore, I pull this out of my ass.
1: Yeah. Okay. Welcome to Oddball, I'm Amino hassan that's the Oddball, Charlotte Wilder. Hello. A little bit later, we're going to conclude our conversation with Jeff Perlman, he was the author of Showtime, which is the book that Winning Time, the HBO series, is based on. Part one, of course, aired yesterday, you can catch that on YouTube. Also, it's Wednesday, so Charlotte, what do we do on Wednesdays?
0: Word count, Wednesday. You're
1: supposed to hold up your fist, Charlotte, showing us in defiance the 10 fingers that will represent each word you have available for you in the game of word count. But first, Harden has been fined $100,000 by the league basically for confirming his trade request. Uh, and we know that that is pretty much poo pooed and frowned upon by the league now in the new collective bargaining agreement. On Basketball Illuminati, which is an excellent podcast that I do with Tom Habistro and Anthony Mays, we met, pantomimed this whole courtroom drama where I represented. James Harden, as a Southern lawyer. I almost got it until they hit me with the thing. Of course, he talked to the authorities. He talked to the league and confirmed to them that the lie was about that. So,
0: I'm just using this moment to try to get sponsored by uh, Jay Harden Wines over here, because when you've got that kind of business, a $100,000 fine doesn't really mean much. So James Harden, if you're out there, I'll never make fun of you again if you pay me to hawk your wine.
1: Yes, that was very eloquent, Charlotte. All right, it's Jeff Perlman, part two of our conversation. Jeff, I want to ask you in terms of that confluence of events, right? Of Jerry Buss and the team, drafting Magic Johnson, who was an American built, built-in built superstar, pretty much. Mm-hmm. The transition of the league to David Stern, who had the marketer's eye, and this great rival Dean Bird and and Magic. All of these things conspire to create this huge phenomenon that is Showtime Lakers, that to this day still echoes throughout history. People think of that team fondly and that franchise fondly. Yeah. Do you see any sort of confluence of events like that happening again? Has it already happened again? Would you say this is, uh, you know, similar to what happened to the Bulls of the '90s or the the Heat of the 2000s or the 2010s, I should say, or the Warriors? Or do you think that was? once in a lifetime and we'll never see anything like it again
2: well i think what you see now in the nba is the direct result of that like um back in the sort of 70s and 80s really the late 70s mid 70s and then very early 80s i mean the nba number one was thought of as quote too black Mm -hmm. like it was too black for a mainstream audience which is pathetic and sad but that's how it was thought of and you know there are a lot of drug problems in the NBA. And are are people really going to, am I going to take my kid to watch these black guys, these black millionaires, blah, blah. It was like, there's a real problem that they could not draw big audiences, you know, based on racism, based on perception, all this stuff. Um, magic comes along. Obviously, Magic Bird come along at a very important time. But Jerry Bus, the impact can't be understated. The NBA was boring. Like the NBA was, you were going to an NBA game to go to an NBA game. Like you were literally going to an NBA game to watch basketball. That's why you went to a game. And Jerry Bus saw this thing. Like this should be entertainment. This should be like going to a concert and a sporting event at the same time. So the Laker girls started with Jerry Bus, piped in rock music, piped, later piped in hip hop, started with Jerry Buss and the Lakers. The Laker girls themselves were the first dance troupe in the NBA, started by Jerry Bus. So like, This Paul Abdul, the original captain of the Lakers, you know, like Laker girls, like all this stuff. So nowadays, when you go to an NBA game and I actually sometimes kind of hate the modern NBA experience to a certain degree, like it's sometimes you just do want to watch a basketball game. Sometimes I don't want to hear piped in music. You know, sometimes I I don't need a T-shirt shot into the crowd. Like sometimes I actually want to watch Steph go at Kyrie and just enjoy the basketball for the basketball. But everything you see now, all of it comes straight from Jerry Buss entering the NBA um, and Magic Johnson and Bird coming in and just blowing up a league.
0: How much of an influence do you think that had on other sports? Or is that sort of like for the NFL? Is that the Jerry Jones of the NFL? Like, but how much do you think that Jerry Buss and the Lakers and that vibe in basketball um, sort of translated into the other
2: arenas? I think a ton. I've never been asked that. I actually think a ton. I think when you look at the the NFL back then, you were going to a football game. Like you were going to a football game, and they had cheerleaders on the side. NFL cheerleaders go back a long way, but you were going to a football game. Baseball, which is finally catching up, I mean, it's ridiculous how long they took to figure this out, but, like, it was going to a baseball game. And sports really marketed themselves as sports. If you were an NFL fan back in the day, you were a Joe Montana fan, and you were going to see Joe Montana play. And now it's really a lot more of... Uh, we're going to the Lakers game, which means really I'm going for the Lakers experience. I'm going to a 49ers game. I'm going to the 49ers experience. The NBA really tapped into the idea of luxury boxes, of sweets, of making it this experience where you take your family and you're going to spread out and you're going to have really good food and you're going to watch a game, but the game is kind of there. And even if your daughter or son doesn't care about basketball, they're still going to have something cool happen to them. So all that stuff that you see in different sports, indoor lacrosse, even golf to a certain degree, like the entertainment element of all these leagues and entities really comes from this Jerry Buss moment.
1: Yeah, when you when you were writing the book, what was something that you learned that truly flabbergasted you?
2: Well, I didn't know about, I knew who Jack McKinney was, that there was an NBA coach named Jack McKinney, but I didn't know that the Laker dynasty really began with the, you know, Jerry Buss's first coach was Jack McKinney, who he hired as mm-hmm. a former Portland assistant. And early into his first tenure on a golf day, he was riding his bike to play Tennis with his assistant, and he flips over the handlebars, lands on his head, suffers severe brain uh, severe brain injury, never coaches a team again. That leads to Paul Westhead, who leads to Pat Riley, because Paul Westhead hires Pat Riley to be his assistant, and the whole thing takes off. I knew none of that. I know a damn thing about that. I also didn't know originally the coach he hired was Jerry Tarkanian from UNLV, who took the job, and then his agent was murdered and found in a trunk. Yeah. So Jerry Tarkanian never took the job. So, you know. One of the cool things about writing these books is you you do learn a ton of stuff. You think you know everything about sports from being a longtime sports writer, and then you learn all these new things that kind of blow your head.
0: I love it. Um, I didn't know that murder.
2: Chart.
0: You love yeah. murder, well, Charlotte? Is that what I love st- I love juicy. Why stories. do you love murder? Well, let uh, is this do we have time for this or should right. we just? Uh... <laughs> A 30,
1: um, 30 year old white woman in america yeah. they all love murder love murder now. murder,
2: go murder
0: i don't i don't like murder i'm very anti-murder um I just, jeff yeah just put that out there we can clip yeah. that as its own thing um what is your favorite visual from the show jeff obviously we talked about you know jerry Buss's suits or the tailoring but is there something that you think they just like really nailed or that you find particularly delightful
2: yeah. First, I want to say I did not realize I was going on a murder podcast, but I'm here for it.
0: I don't like mur- <laughs> I just want to say I hate murder podcasts, even though I am a 30 something white woman. Just there Fair it is.
2: Enough. My <laughs> wife loves him and she's a 50 something. white. To me, the thing about this, the show that just nails it, nails it, nails it times a thousand is um, the casting itself of Quincy's mm. Magic Johnson. It is so preposterous and so good. I've said this and I mean it. I feel like you could go another thousand years and not cast it better. Like you could cast a hundred people a year for a thousand years and you're not going to find a better guy to play magic. And he has the smile. He has the charisma, the movements, everything about it. And Quincy, he's a, Quincy is a lovely guy, like just lovely. He was a football player, at Kalamazoo college, small level football player. His acting was all local. He had he literally had no IMDb page, and they plucked this guy and find him. And to me, he owns the scene. Like every scene he's in, he owns. He oozes magic. He has this thing about him. And I gotta say, since you're sitting between them, the casting of Larry Bird, Sean Patrick Small, who this season really takes off. So Bo Burnham, the comedian, was was originally cast as Larry Bird, had another commitment, walked off, and they find Sean. They just basically put it out there, and he saw the ad, and uh, Sean basically auditioned and nailed it. He's great, and I'll tell you something funny. Sean lives about an hour north from me in California. We become friendly, and a, maybe a month ago now, he came down to play basketball on my Saturday morning pickup run, and um, they were. He's a good basketball player. He's about six four. Played college ball in the, I mean, high school ball in the Bay Area, but he now shoots exactly like Bird because oh, wow. in rehearsing for the show, training for the no show. Way. He acquire the bird high release shot, and he shoots just like jet. Not as well, but he shoots just like Larry Bird. So it's kind of crazy.
1: That's insane. I know I met uh, Quincy at the premiere in Cleveland when they had the the screening in All Star Weekend. He's a great, great kid. And again, like you said, just the confluence of wait a second, a guy who's a former athlete who was involved in acting on some level, and he looks like Magic Johnson, and he's from Michigan. It, it's just it was like how do you You can't, like you said, you you can't write that sort of stuff.
2: And I'll tell you something, honestly, God, that like has warmed my heart from day one. And the thing I hate about the strike is that they're not out. They can't be out here. promoting. Mm -hmm. I'm just a book writer, so I can but they can't. But like all these guys, like Delonte D'Souza, who plays uh, Michael Cooper and Austin Mm -hmm. Aaron, who plays Mark Landsberger and Quincy and Sean and even Solomon Hughes, who plays Kareem. And he's older. He's like 42. But like these are all newbies to this business and they won this kind of lottery ticket where they're in this hbo show with john c Riley and rob morgan and sally field adrian brody adrian brody it's just insane and i was i said to quincy a bunch of times i'm like aren't you like how the hell did i get here like how did my life come to this that i was i was a football player not that long ago and now i'm starring on an hbo show and it's like it warms my heart it truly truly warms my heart and not for nothing like it is true like it is hard to be a young black actor in this business and get opportunities and not be pigeonholed. And this has given a ton of young black actors, a springboard into the business. And that just like, it just means a lot to me. It really does. So
1: the, the other side of, uh, of that equation is uh, the guy who plays Norm Nixon, who is Norm, Norm Nixon's actual son, Yvonne Nixon. And, you know, he's, He's had roles. He's, he had a really big role in the Snowfall, uh, which just ended. Uh, but, you know, what was that like for him to be cast as his father? I know I talked to him about it a little bit at that screening. I said, it's got to be weird because whatever's on the page, you're bringing a completely different perspective to it. than my dad wouldn't do it like this. My dad would
2: do it like this as someone who grew up watching their father. Controversial take. I would say he's the best actor in the show I actually think and they're heavy he's so good he's Mm -hmm. so talented little known fact played Whitney Houston's son in the bodyguard yeah you knew that damn (laughs) I thought that was pretty good played Spencer I think his name was Spencer Whitney Houston's bodyguard. um so I was there early on with him at the when they shot the pilot and I remember asking him about like what is this like and I've, I've spent some time with him a few times and it's like uh What's it like playing your dad? And he said his dad has really given him distance on it. Like his dad is not like telling him, no, you're getting this wrong or I'm really bothered by this. He's allowing him to be an actor, um, which I think is the best way to go about it, you know, as opposed to saying every episode, you didn't get that right. Or that was wrong or that was wrong. And what he has and he hasn't naturally, he has this sort of flair about him and he has this confidence about him. And I mean, the Norm Nixon character is so good because he's like. He just he's like this. He's threatened by magic, but he's also kind of offended by even the very idea, the very notion that someone could come along and take my place. I'm Norm Nixon. And he just has that. Devon has that in every possible way, the way he carries himself. So it's he's so ridiculously good. And he looks like his dad a lot. Yeah.
0: Jeff, one last question for you. Uh can you imagine the Lakers one day without the bus family?
2: Yeah. I mean, It would suck. Like, I think, I think you know, it's like, can I imagine the Mavs now without Mark Cuban? Like, it'd be hard to imagine. There are certain things that'd be hard. The Yankees without Steinbrenner, it's kind of hard to imagine. But I mean, the thing is the imprint, like no matter who, ultimately someday, it could be 10, 50, 100 years from now, the Bus family probably won't be involved with the Lakers. You know, time moves on. But it's the imprint that they've made on the NBA, not just on that franchise, but on the NBA. I mean, Jeannie being the first woman owner that's a huge freaking deal and not being like a figurehead owner being a hands-on day-to-day owner of a successful professional sports franchise um I just think their impact whoever owns that team years from now the impact of the bus family on the NBA it's as profound as anything Michael Jordan or David Stern or LeBron or anyone has done they've really changed the course of professional sports
1: his name is Jeff Perlman. he is a journalist and as I said the iconic writer of Showtime, Magic, Kareem Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the 1980s, which, of course, is the basis of the show, Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. You can catch it Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern and available to stream on Max. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us.
2: I just want you to know next time I'm charging my icon rate. Okay. <laughs> is that cool? Is that all right? You gotta,
1: you time, get, all right. You're gonna, we're going to have to go with your quote next time.
2: Exactly. <laughs> no, thank you so much. It was a delight. I really appreciate it. appreciate it. Thanks, you. Jeff.
1: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.
0: With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you've got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly.
1: So here's what we're going to do. We're going to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code oddball. That's code O-D-D-B-A-L-L for new customers to get 150 smackaroos in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is yours.
0: Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome back to Oddball. It's time for the segment that proves, once again, that Charlotte failed math all throughout school. I'm talking about kindergarten all through the 12th grade, and then I don't even know whether she had to take math in college, but I would doubt it because math skills suck. It's called word count.
0: I told you that in confidence, I mean.
1: Read a statement, a question, that is. The other person has to answer it in 10 words or less. 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Charlotte, are you ready? Yes. Question one. What's the best way to motivate players to play for the World Cup or Olympics? So basically play for their national team.
0: Tell them they hate their country if they don't. Wow.
1: Good old fashioned xenophobia. What I like a little macaroni just, just kidding. Get just them kidding. boys out right if... uniform and get out there and play. I love it. I love it. I say. Would you like to expound?
0: Uh, yeah, that was a joke. Give them money is my actual answer.
1: Oh, that that answer is not as quite as fun or. It's not as spicy. Crazy I know. Accent, well, yeah. you know. <laughs> All
0: right. Here's here's your first one. Uh, why should an NBA star have an agent? Oh,
1: easy. All right. Because it's not just about negotiating deals. Deals. Ah! There you go. I'm saying at seven. Because it's not just about negotiating deals.
0: Okay, what is it about?
1: Uh, Because there's a whole, like, look at Damian Lillard. He's got all the money in the world, but now you want out. And that's what you need an agent for. You need an agent to get you out of, Places that you want to be. Look at John Morant. He's got all the money in the world. He's in huge trouble and he's got suspensions and stuff. You need an agent to argue on your behalf and to work things out for you. Look at James Harden. He's got all the money in the world and he's selling 10,000 bottles of wine Charlotte, in a matter of seconds. You need an agent to set those deals up for you. So there's all types of reasons to have representation. The idea that just because you are valuable as a person and because we paint by numbers on the... NBA salary does not mean you should do away with agents altogether. I actually like agents, even though many of them are scumbags. And some of my best friends are.
0: Scumbags or agents? Or both?
1: Both. Uh, Charlotte, question two. What player do you think has the best personality? What player do you think has the best personality, Charlotte.
0: Mikhail Bridges was an absolute delight was. when interviewed about fishing.
1: Did you interview him about fishing?
0: Yes, I did. I interviewed him about he went fishing at Disney World in the bubble. They oh. stocked a pond with fish so yeah. that he could go fishing, and that was the most. That was the. It was just an absolute delight to speak to him. What so, the, what was the I, highlight of that story? The highlight of the story is that as he was about to reel in a fish. Somebody, a teammate called him and he fumbled the rod and went to pick up the phone and the whole, and like almost tipped over the boat and didn't catch a fish.
1: Oh, nice. Uh, The funny thing about this question what player do you think has the best personality? Reminds me of one of my early trips to Vegas when I went and I was at the, oh yeah, you're going to love this story. I was at the (laughs) bar and uh, there's this incredibly attractive woman, right? And she's talking to this absolute schlub of a guy. He's wearing like the Homer Simpson short sleeve, button-up shirt, he's got like a pin in the front pocket, he's got huge glasses. And I'm just like, what? I can't understand what's happening. And so the guy goes to the bathroom and I walk up to the woman, and I say, oh my God, you're gorgeous. What are you doing talking to this guy? And, she, and You did that? Yes, I did. I went. Oh, this is young of me, and I was aggressive. I went right in for the kill. I'm like, oh, oh on, what are you doing? And, and she said, well, I like him. He's got a great personality. And I said, a great personality? I got a great personality. What are you talking about? Personality. And she says, no, he's got a great personality. Do you have a great personality? And I said, oh. Oh, oh, no, no. I don't have any personality at all. And I ran off. I need an adult. I hid behind some apron somewhere because... She was a woman of the night. Next one for me, Charlotte. Give me the next one.
0: Great, sorry. Amin wants to talk to a woman of the night. Okay. That's the uh, same word. Who yeah. is the closest comp for Dwayne Wade in today's NBA and why?
1: Donovan Mitchell. Because he combines the strength Agility and slashing. Yeah, Donovan okay. Mitchell—he's like even when he came out with all the comps were there of like this burly, stocky kind of guard who is sh- very shifty laterally, explosive. Obviously, dunk on guys, get to the free throw line, a bowling ball. He's a better shooter than Wade ever was, uh, and but as a result, I think he almost like relies on that jump shot a little too much in a way that Wade couldn't because Wade wasn't that great outside of, like, 16 feet. Uh, but to me, there's no there's no guard in the league, I think, who plays more like Wade than, than Donovan Mitchell does.
0: Do you think he can be as successful as Wayne Wade?
1: Like a Hall of Famer? I mean, yeah. it, it's going to take a lot of winning. It's going to take, um, uh, quite frankly, he's going to take his game up another notch. I mean, Wade led the league in scoring one year, and, you know, Wade... Was an All Star MVP and Wade had won a title before LeBron and Chris Bosh showed up. So, and a Finals MVP with that. So, like, it's I'm not out of the question for him, but it's definitely not like, oh yeah, for sure, he'll he'll reach those levels.
0: He's got to get going.
1: Mhm. All right, last one for you. If you could pair Victor Wembenyama with any player, past or present, for the season, who would it be? And why?
0: Timmy Duncan, because very steady presence as Wemby starts out. I'm going
1: to disagree with you, and I'm going to disagree with the way I pronounce the word disagree.
0: Why, 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 why? Who because, would you choose? I just feel like he would, if, I mean, I guess I'm thinking only Spurs, because it, could it be anybody? It could
1: be any player, as the card oh. said, Charlie.
0: Well, I think it's more interesting if it's, I'm going to switch I think it's more interesting if it's Spurs only, because I think that um, that would be very useful for him. And I know they already hang out, and I think they'd have a good time together. What is your answer, and why do you disagree? You, you, need,
1: you need someone who's going to get him the ball. You need a point guard who's going to unlock everything, and so... My pick might be a little biased to Steve Nash because I know he's never going to play better with anyone than with Steve Nash in terms of setting up for picking rolls, picking pops, finding him on the weak side, lobs, all side, sorts of stuff. If you told me has to be a former spur, like we're eliminating uh, all the other guys, and then I would say Boris Diaw because Boris Diaw does a lot of that great playmaking stuff. He was excellent in San Antonio, in Phoenix. Uh, at playmaking and being a, a major playmaker, getting the ball to him and throwing lobs and running pick and roll and all that stuff. But also, he's the general manager of the French national team. So a mm. little, little connection there. Parlez-vous français, n'est-ce pas? Qu'est-ce que ça? Oh, wait, 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 wait. C'est bien, ça, c'est bien. ça. So, okay, 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 d'accord. Okay, uh, Charlotte, what is the next question? Uh. Bilal Zippo.
0: Explain all the sudden Paul George love. I don't know what accent you are
1: using there. What accent are you using there? Explain all the sudden Paul
0: George love.
1: People love podcasts where stories are being told. And that's what Paul George is locked into. He's a guy with a lot of stories, and he gets guests on who are comfortable enough with him to tell lots of stories. It's why Knuckleheads is a great podcast. It's why All the Smoke is a great podcast. It's why Jeff Teague, uh, whatever it is, a cup 520, 510. Shout out to Jeff Teague. My bad, man. I'm, I'm still not, the name ain't, because I keep doing the Jeff Teague podcast is how I call it, but I know it's called like Club 520. All of these podcasts are great because they're all built around the same thing, storytelling. People telling you, like, they need to do this and they need to do that. That's not the the way. You need Gilbert Arenas coming in and telling you crazy stories. That's a great podcast. And so Paul George has tapped into that. As long as you tell great stories and you have guests that tell great stories, you're going to find a market for you. And by the way, it will change people's perception of you because if you're doing something that somebody likes, you're more likely to like you than when you're not doing something somebody likes.
0: Great, great advice from Amin Al-Hassan on on how to be a star.
1: Cinephobe podcast. Get it wherever you get podcasts. It's a podcast where Zach Harper and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain whether they're accurately poorly rated or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. That's Cinephobe. You get it wherever you get podcasts. It's produced by Anthony Mays. And man, we've been on a heater. As of the airing of this episode, we've done Out Cold. We've done The Toy. We've done See No Evil, Hear No Evil. We've done, uh, what's the other movie we did? We did a lot of movies that you might know and love. Batman and Robin. Um, the Breakup. Uh, man on Fire. Uh, and
0: this is Oddball.
1: Yeah, oh yeah. That, but that's not a podcast, this is a show.
0: Thanks for hanging. Amin is sorry for everything.
1: Order the crab Rangoon.